This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. On this episode, Maria is joined by a special panel to celebrate Poetry Month. This audio comes from a virtual conference originally recorded on April 19th. Now, here's your host, Maria Dismondi. You should be able to see our panelists today, our guests. There are more people coming into the room. Um, and we have Mr. Charles Walter Waters, who will be joining us near the end today. So let's begin with Michelle Shop, since she's in my upper left-hand corner. Michelle, welcome. Hi everyone, happy Poetry Month. My name is Michelle Schaub and I'm coming to you today from the Chicagoland area. I'm a children's writer and also a teacher. I teach middle school kids and a mom and I'm so excited to share Poetry Month with you. Do you want us, Miss Maria, to, to talk about our books right now or are we gonna do that later? You know what, we're gonna go around and talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the different types of poetry. But if you do wanna hold your book up um, during your introduction, you can do that. Okay, I have a couple of books you can kind of see them back. We'll talk more about them later. Thanks for being here. Let's go to Patty Richards. Hi everyone, my name is Patty Richards and thank you so much for being with us today to share our love of poetry and celebrate National Poetry Month. I live in Michigan, which is right, I live right about there. So if you, if you ever need to know where Michigan is, just hold up your hand and that's really cool. And my most recent poetry book is this one called Thank You, Poems of Gratitude. And I'm one of about 30 poets that was a part of this project. So really excited to share about this with you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Patty. Let's go have an Irene go next. Hi everyone, I'm Irene Latham. I'm coming to you from the Purple Horse Poetry Studio and Music Room. You may see a big instrument back there that is called a cello. And when I'm not writing poetry, I love to play the cello. And I'm a new student, so there may be people in this room who can play better cello than I can, but I love learning about music and everything in the world. And the great thing about poetry is you can put all that stuff into a poem. So um, my, I live just outside of Birmingham, Alabama in a very rural county. So right now I'm looking out the window at lots of green and lots of birds. And so um, that makes me happy for National Poetry Month for sure. Fantastic, thank you for being here with us, Irene. And Liz, you are up next. Hi, I am Elizabeth Steinglass and my nickname is Liz, which is what everyone calls me. Um, and I chose that name for myself when I was about your age, I think. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, um, where the arch is, and now I live in Washington, D.C. Um, and this is my book, Soccerverse, which we'll get to talk about later. It's really, really nice to be here. Yay! So boys and girls, there are still students and classrooms joining us. We have almost 250 people and I feel so excited to be able to share with you all these different types of poetry. So when I started looking um, at different types of poetry, I started thinking about the types of poetry I learned when I was in second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. I thought of haiku poetry. I thought of limericks and ballads and free verse, which was always my favorite. 
Um, I thought of acoustic, acrostic poems, acrostic poems and cinquans, but I know there are so many other types of poetry. And so I wanna know from our poets who are here today, what is the type of poetry that you used in your book that you have showed us today? So I know we've seen um, some of the different po poetry books that are gonna be shared here today, but I would love for you to hold up your book if you have it nearby and tell us what type of poetry is it? And maybe why did you select that type? Um, the reason I share with you that free verse was always my favorite is because when I was your age, my favorite type of writing was writing in my journal or my diary. And when I wrote in my diary, it gave me a place to express myself. So if I had a really happy day at school, I was able to share that through my journal or my diary. If I had a really sad day at school, I could put those feelings into my journal. And oftentimes what I would do is I would create poems from those feelings. And so that was always my favorite, but I've never published poetry and I'm definitely not the expert in the room. So let's go ahead and go back to Michelle Schaub and learn a little bit from her. Well, I actually, I have two poetry books. This one, Fresh Poetry is all about the farmer's market and finding treasure is all about things people collect. And what's really cool about poetry picture books is they have all kinds of different poetry forms. And I know that all the poets in their room, because they're all friends of mine, and I've read all their books, I know that they all have a wide variety of poems in their books. So if you're looking for a two-voiced poem or a list poem or almost any form of poem you would like to write, you can find one in our books, which is really kind of cool. But I wanted to answer Miss Maria's question with my new book that just came out. It's called Kindness is a Kite String, and it's actually one long poem instead of a poetry collection. And what this, what I use in this poem are similes and metaphors. And if you guys haven't learned about those yet, you will in school. But similes and metaphors are some of a poet's favorite tools to use. And you can tell what a simile or metaphor is by my title, kindness is a kite string, because that's a metaphor. In a metaphor, you can, buy, you can pair one thing like kindness that might be hard to picture because it's an idea with something else like a kite string, which is something that you may have experienced. So I use all kinds of similes and metaphors in this book. I compare kindness to a kite string. I compare kindness to sunshine because it makes you warm. I compare kindness to dominoes. I bet some of you have played dominoes because when you tip one domino, the rest of them start to fall down. And when you spread kindness, it keeps moving just like dominoes. So similes and metaphors, although they're not a particular kind of poem, they're a tool that I like to use and I bet all the other poets on this Zoom call today like to use too. I love that you use the word tool because a lot of times writers use that word to talk about different ways that we write. For example, right now, I have a tool in my hand. I'm writing on a piece of paper, I'm using a pen. But a lot of authors today, we see pencils, pens, and we also see something else that we're using as a tool. So just like Michelle said, similes and metaphors are a tool in writing. Thank you, Michelle. Let's hear a little bit from Patty, please. Well, hi again, everybody. And I love what Michelle had to say about 
different tools and different forms of poetry. And I, I think everything she said was just absolutely spot on. I love using similes and metaphors in my writing, especially in poetry. But one of my favorite ways to write poetry is to do narrative poetry, which is you're telling a story. Um, and so some picture book poems can be one long story, like in one, one volume is just one story, one poem. But the, the book that I was privileged to be part of, I got to write one narrative poet, poem that was a part of a book. And this is called an anthology. When there's more than one poem in a book, we call that an anthology. And so that's what this is. And so I wrote a narrative poem because our assignment, they gave us a job to do when we were writing this book, was to write about something that we were grateful for because these poems are all around the theme of being thankful or having gratitude. And so I tried to think of a story from my own life that might've happened when I was about your age that I was really thankful for. And I chose the subject of getting my first pair of glasses. But then I wanted to use something special in the poem as a vehicle to help the reader understand. And so I chose the theme of Alice in Wonderland because Alice looks through looking glasses, right? the looking glass. And so that, that device is called illusion. I didn't tell the story about Alice or necessarily about her adventures in Wonderland, but I used her as the character to tell my story about how I was so grateful when I got my first pair of glasses and I could finally see the chalkboard. For you guys, that would be the whiteboard, but for us in my day, it was a chalkboard. I could finally see the chalkboard and know what the teacher was talking about. So illusion is another tool or vehicle that people use in poetry to tell a story using another story. So those are two things that I really love to do. I love to use narrative poetry that tells a story, has a beginning, a middle, and an end, even though it's a poem. And then I like to lose, use illusion, which is kind of a story within a story. So those are my favorite kinds. Patty, would you, would you be able to read a couple lines from your poem for us? Oh, absolutely. Yep, no problem. Let me see, I think you can kind of, here's the picture. There's Alice looking through her looking glasses. And the name of the poem is Alice Thanks the Looking Glasses. And so I'll just tell you the very last stanza. She says, I'm grateful for my spectacles and what they help me see. But most of all, I'm quite obliged. Behind them, I'm still me. I love so, that. That's and I think a lot of children, a lot of students, even adults who are tuning in today can probably relate to that because when you put on your glasses, you, it does make you feel different, but behind you are still yourself. That's beautiful. And Thank there's you. nothing better than be able, being able to see when you haven't been able to see, right? <laughs> it is the truth. When you first look outside and you look at a tree and you can see the leaves on the trees. That's what they're <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Patty. Irene, tell us a little bit about the type of poetry that you have written. I would be glad to do that. You guys, I love writing all kinds of poetry. I get bored easily. So poetry is a great place for me to play. And I think of poetry as a playground. And I love to try all kinds of ways. So something I tried a couple of years ago was um, to write a nonette. 
And you can see that the title of this book is Nine, and that's because Nonet means a group of nine things. And I will read to you um, the poem that introduces a Nonet so you'll know how you write it. I will tell you right away that it sounds scarier than it is. It's a, it's a short nine-line poem with a particular syllable count. Um, so here is the illustration, which is by Amy Huntington. And um, it says, Nonet, grand poem with nine lines. One syllable first line builds toward a nine syllable ninth line or the reverse, a staircase for poets and readers alike. Any subject rhyming optional. So you might have heard my metaphor in the poem is a staircase. And that's because nonets, they either start with the nine syllables and come down like a staircase, or you start on that bottom, uh, on the top step, and then you come down to the nine syllables. So this book has all kinds of things related to the number nine, about what it's like to be nine years old, um, about Beethoven's ninth, about a cat's nine lives, about... Um, the ninth president, anything I could think of related to the number nine, I wrote a non about it and it went in this book. So I love it when words and numbers can dance. And that's what happens in um, this book of, of this collection about nine. And I want to share one other book with you because this is another kind of poetry. This poem is a nest. Think about all the things that are in a nest, particularly the eggs are in the nest, but nests are, are made of all kinds of materials. This is a collection of found poetry, found poems. So instead of starting from scratch from a blank sheet of paper, you start with a piece of text, like it could be a poem, which is what I did, and then you find poems within the text. So you use words that are there, you only pick the ones that you want to use for your new poem, and you find poems. It is so much fun. I had so much fun um, finding poems in this one big poem that I found 161 poems inside of it. And I think I could go on and on and on um, finding poems. So if you ever have that blank page and you don't know what to do, just go get a magazine and you'll have words in front of you and you can start circling the words that you like. And before you know it, you will have built a poem. So there's some for you guys to try. Can you hold up the title of that book again, please? Sure can. This poem is a nest. Wow, that sounds really neat. And, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about um, as I'm hearing all of our poets and authors talk is I'm thinking about also the types of tools. So, um, Irene, as you were creating um, your, your book of Nanettes, were you writing these down on a notebook? Were you typing them on the computer? Can I just stop you to share quickly what kind of tools you use when you're writing? I love the physical action of, um, of writing poems. So particularly with the found poems, I like circling the words or highlighting the words or coloring a picture on the page. Um, so that's what's the most fun to me. But I also use a computer for um, other writing as well. So whatever you like best, there's a way to make a poem out of it. So whatever your chosen form is. And we'll go back. Um, that's more about the process, but I do love that. And boys and girls, I noticed a few friends had their hands up. And I want you to think about some of the questions you have because we will um, turn on the chat. I will turn the chat on as we get closer to um, the end and allow you to ask questions. So keep those questions in your head. Um, you can jot them down on a piece of paper that you have, but we will take questions at the end. 
All right, so let's hear from um, Liz Steinglass and let's hear a little bit about your type of poetry. All right, so I like, I like what everyone else has already said, um, like Michelle and like Irene, I like writing in lots of different forms. Um, and in fact, Soccerverse, in Soccerverse, I use 13 different forms. And in the back, at the end of the book, I describe what all those forms are. And I give like a little challenge to, can you go back and read the poems and figure out what forms they're using? And so I think of forms as a tool. That is a tool of poets. Um, I think those forms encourage us to, to be more creative and to, to try another approach. And so I love using different forms. Um, one of the forms that I used in these poems um, is a mask poem. And in a mask poem, you pretend to be someone or something you are not. And you write a poem from that point of view. And I think it's really fun because it's like, it's like dress up or pretend. And so in this, in this book, I wrote a mask poem. I actually wrote two mask poems from the point of view of shin guards. <laughs> shin guards are the piece of plastic that you wear under your sock to protect your shin. And so I wrote two shin guard poems, a few words from your shin guard and a few words from your other shin guard. <laughs> so maybe I could read one of those um, so you get the idea of it. A few words from your shin guard. Find me, I'm under the bed. Sure, I smell like something dead, but who cares? Wear me, wear a pair of me. Tuck me in your sock and let's get out of here. I wanna be kicked. It's why I exist. I'm the shining armor guarding your shin while you run down the field and go for the win. So you can see how I was wearing the, the, the mask that I was wearing was the shin guard and I pretended to be the shin guard. And I had to really think, Okay, I'm a shin guard. What is it like to be a shin guard? Where am I? What am I thinking? How am I feeling? What am I wishing? What am I hoping? Um, and I had to do all that kind of pretend. And then I wrote the poem. Wow. As you were reading that, I, I kind of chuckled to myself because I thought these women, and we have Charles coming, but these women have fun in the work that they do. They, they, create and they're able to do anything. Anything is possible in this work, which I just find to be so fascinating that one, you can love what you do. And two, you can be a shin guard if you want to be. And yeah. um, I just think that, that it's endless. The possibilities are endless with poetry. That's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. So as we move on to the next portion, boys and girls, why don't we just put our hands up for a second and kind of take a little brain break. I didn't tell our poets about this, but when you have 266 people in the room, you wanna make sure that you can get your wiggles and your giggles out as we continue to learn. So go ahead and shake your arms up and down, up and down 10 times, and we will continue as we talk about inspiration. Now to shake things up, we're gonna go in opposite order. So Miss Liz is going to begin sharing her inspiration. All right, so let's go ahead and continue. When we talk about what inspires you, what inspires you to take the perspective of a shin guard? I'm not sure, but Liz, tell us a little bit about your inspiration for writing poetry. Well, really almost everything inspires me. Everything I do every day. Um, if it's you know going for a walk and I see a slug on the front stoop, I write about the slug I see. 
Um, if I have to take one of my kids to soccer practice, then that inspires me. So really everything that I do every day can be an inspiration. Um, things that I love, things that I'm curious about, things I want to know more about, things I see, all of those things are inspiration. That's fantastic. And teachers, you're going to want to um, recap Liz's answer for all of those students who say, <laughs> I don't know what to write about, because it's right there. It's all around you. It truly is. Irene, tell us a little bit about your inspiration. Oh my gosh, I'm just like Liz. The whole world inspires me. I think the best, the number one quality anyone needs to be a poet or a writer or just a human being is curiosity. And poetry allows you a place to be curious and to just explore the world and discover all these wonderful things, not just about the world, but about yourself. And um, that's part of what gets me going every single morning is what am I gonna discover today? And I will tell you that um, for this poem is a nest, this was the book idea came to me as I was watching robins build a nest outside of my window. So um, even before I was outside, the book um, nine was inspired by just memories of how magical it is to be nine when you're discovering the world and going to museums and taking history and learning about a non a nonogram and and just. Um, just language and the, the joy of being nine. And I bet there's some nine-year-olds here. Mm -hmm. But mostly what inspires me are people. And there's people in this room who are inspiring me already. Whoever the had the eyeballs a minute ago and somebody had on some sunglasses. And um, I want to know your stories. And so you are a big part of why I do what I do. Fantastic. I see a little monkey character. I mean, yes, the children are creative out there for sure. Um, Patty, tell us a little bit about your inspiration. No, I love, um, I love music and music has been a big part of my life, my entire life. I play the piano, I sing a little guitar, my kids, my whole family, we love to sing. And so when I hear poetry, I like to think that it's words singing to me. And so I love my, some of my inspiration is just to be listening, to be listening to how words sound, to be feeling how they feel in my mouth. I say my poems out loud and I'm inspired by things that have, that give me just a feeling, the feeling that there's a song in the words somewhere. And so that's what I enjoy. I'm also very inspired by nature, by my garden, by my dog, by just the things that I love, because I think poetry is an expression of love. And if you're loving what you're writing about and you can't figure out a way to say it, you can always put it in a poem because there are rules in poetry, but then there aren't any rules in poetry. You can write it down any way you want to. And that is that can be such a great gift to another person or just the way that you're writing a memory or something that is just really important to you and you can't find another way to say it. We all have trouble saying things sometimes that we need to say and poetry lets you do that. So anything that's in your heart, that's what inspires me is, is the things that speak to my heart and the things that are, that sound really very musical. Those are, that's kind of what gets me going. Thank you, Patty. And I think it's important to note that what inspires one person may not inspire the next person. So poetry is very unique to individuals um, and to each different person. Michelle, let's hear from you about inspiration. 
Oh, you're muted. Yes, do you agree that, say that I agree with everything that the poets have said so far. You can find inspiration in almost anything. Um, and I often am just looking around at my world, but I'm also inspired by things that I love, as Patty said, that are really important to me. So for Fresh Pick Poetry, A Day at the Farmer's Market, I love farmer's markets. I like to say that farmer's markets are my happy place. When I go to a farmer's market, I just feel so at peace and I find so much joy. So, and I go to farmer's markets all the time, all over the place. And so that's what inspired this book is I just wanted to share that, that experience of being at a farmer's market and all the sights and sounds and smells and tastes. I wanted to share that joy with other people. So that's what inspired this book. I'm also often inspired by memories of my own childhood. And I think all writers, children's writers are very connected, very in tune to their own ch children, their own inner child and to kids. And so I often channel my own inner child and my memories. And a lot of what I have in Finding Treasure, a collection of collections are inspired by memories I have of things that my grandmother collected. There's a poem in here about teapots and my grandmother collected teapots and she used to let me pick the teapot that we would use for our tea parties. My grandfather collected license plates and there's a license plate poem in here. So a lot of times I'm tapping into my own memories and things that were important and precious to me when I was a kid. Fantastic. Now, boys and girls, you may see that we have another guest with us, and we are so thankful that Charles was able to make it today. So, Charles, if I'm going to go ahead and um, ask you to unmute. We have just been having conversations about the types of poems that um, the guests here have written. So if you could go ahead and spend a few minutes introducing yourself, telling us who you are, where you're from, um, maybe sharing a, a, a book of yours. And um, yeah, we, we're so happy you're here. Well, thank you for, for having me here. My name is Charles Waters. I'm the co-writer uh, with Irene Latham, my poetic forever friend of Can I Touch Your Hair, Poems of Race, Mistakes, and Friendship, and Dictionary for a Better World, Poems, Quotes, and Anecdotes from A to Z. And um, Mr. Smondi is showing Dictionary. And we have uh, three upcoming books coming out in the next couple of years, including one called Be a Bridge, which comes out next year, which is taking some of the concepts for Can I Touch Your Hair and putting them for kindergarten through second graders. So that one will be a picture book. Um, so that's who I am. And uh, thank you for inviting me. I just got through talking with students here the same age as you uh, in, in, the, in, in Virginia. And so I'm so happy to go from one group of awesome students to another group of awesome students. So Charles, can you tell us a little bit about the types of poems that you um, have written? Maybe select one and tell us a little bit about why you chose that type of poetry. Well, I, I've written in multiple forms. Um, I, I feel more comfortable now in free verse, which are poems that don't rhyme, because what happens, students, when you write poems that rhyme, is you're writing sometimes to the rhyme. And then the story, your intention, the story that you wanted to tell gets lost because you're trying to rhyme words that sometimes may not make sense. So that's why I like free verse so much. And writing rhymes takes, no pun intended, a lot of time. <laughs> and effort. 
throughout the years, though I'm not against it by any means. I'm just saying that um, to write rhyme well uh, takes a lot of practice. Um, so let me see. Having said that, I do have a poem that I, I, I once wrote years ago, and it's in rhyme um, called Peanut Butter Fever. And uh, I'll read it. I'll say it to you really fast because I, for some reason, students love this poem so much. <laughs> Uh, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and toast. There's no doubt I love peanut butter the most. Peanut butter pancakes, peanut butter fudge. My love for peanut butter refuses to budge. Peanut butter cookies, peanut butter bar. How about a spoonful right out of the jar? Peanut butter cupcakes, peanut butter pie. If you've never had them, please give them a try. Creamy or chunky, doesn't matter which type. Peanut butter sure lives up to its hype. Smear it on crackers, spread it on thick. Who needs peanut butter? I need it quick. From city to city, from coast to coast, I love peanut butter. I love it the most. Yay! That is awesome. <laughs> and it makes me want to go get my crunchy peanut butter right now. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. So when we were talking about inspiration, I would assume that you like peanut butter and that mm -hmm. you are inspired to write about things that um, matter to you. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, what, I, what I do a lot is uh, in my life is I have a notebook app, students. So if I see something that interests me, I'll just type it up on my phone and I'll save it. And then after a while, you accumulate a lot of, of things. And then you transcribe that to a, to a little pocket notebook. And I have a trunk that has a lot of pocket notebooks in it. And I just write stuff down in my pocket notebook. And then when I'm thinking about writing a poem, I can't figure out something to write about. I'll take out the notebook and usually not all the time because a lot of the stuff you may never use, but sometimes there may be a potential poem in there. So that's what I do. And you'll find out if you just jot down your thoughts, even for a week, you'll be amazed at some of the things that you come up with to the point where you'll look back on it and go, who came up with that? I can't believe it was me. So that's what happens. That's fantastic. So thank you, Charles, for introducing yourself and sharing your poem with us. Um, we are going to move on just for a couple more minutes here. Um, I would like a, a few of our poets to share a little bit about their process and then maybe a few to share advice for writers. And we will go into um, a, a time for question and answer as well. So let's go ahead and start with process. Which, which one of you would like to share a little bit about your process? I know Irene did share a, a smidge about her process. Mm -hmm when we're talking about tools that she does like to circle and highlight and write. Does anyone else want to share about process? Michelle. Oh, hang on. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, well, I, when I start writing, I really like to, I have a journal also. And like Charles mentioned, and Irene mentioned before, I like to start by actually writing words with a pencil. I really like the feel of the pencil in my hand. So I write all kinds of ideas in my journal. And this, this looks like a Dr. Seuss book, but it actually has pages in it that you can write in. And when I come up with, when I zoom in an idea, for an idea for a poem, one of the first things that I do is I make a list of words. I am a big, big fan of collecting words and making word lists. So if I'm writing a poem, like this is a poem I wrote about science and the process of 
uh, the scientific method. And so I'll start with words like, okay, what are some simple words I know that I might use in a poem? So I wrote down the word observe because scientists observe. But then I wanna have a whole bunch of words at my disposal when I'm writing a poem because poets don't have a lot of words on a page. So you want every word to be your best word. And words have all kinds of different shades of meaning. So what I do is I go to my thesaurus and I'm sure all the poets here can attest to a th the thesaurus is one of a poet's best friends. <laughs> and I use an online thesaurus now. I used to have a big old thick thesaurus that was falling apart because I used it so much. But now I go to thesaurus.com and I'll look up the word observe and there are a whole bunch of words that mean the same thing as observe. And I write them down because now I'm starting to think about the sound of words and what might work in my poem. So under observe, you can see my list here, I have contemplate, perceive, survey, discern, distinguish, study, scrutinize. And I keep going and then some of those words are gonna to start to stick in my head and I start putting them together in a poem. Fantastic. And then from there, once I have a poem down in a rough draft, then I'll put it on my computer. But all of the first stuff is done old fashioned. Excellent, I love that. And you know, something about process. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that Charles and Irene have co-written books together. And I think that we should take a moment to talk about that process because it's unique. You are collaborating and you are working together, but from what it sounds, you do not live near each other. So can you share a little bit about um, your process and what it's like to co-write poetry together? Well, I will just start and say it's awesome. Um, I'm a shy person and I it never occurred to me to collaborate until this editor, Carol Hens, who really had the idea for Can I Touch Your Hair, suggested this as a conversation in poetry. And I loved her idea, but was I brave enough to, you know, work with someone else? Could I work with someone else? And um, the answer turns out to be yes. And Charles is amazing. And we just have a wonderful experience writing these books and just sharing the adventure of um, what we discover and all the ups and downs of publishing, having that partner, there's someone who cares just as much about the book as you do. And maybe Charles, you can share about the specifics of how we collaborate. I will, I will say that uh, we wrote Can I Touch Your Hair, having never met each other face to face until after the book was done. We wrote, we only spoke on the phone maybe two, three times. Uh, it was done through Microsoft Word and email. Um, Students, what we do, Irene and I have some, we, we write in something now called uh, Google Docs. And Google Docs is, I love 21st century technology. Google Docs, you can write things in real time. Like, so I can write something and it automatically saves it. And then Irene can see it at the same time and write something. And we kind of collaborate back and forth and, and leave comments to each other. So that's how our, a lot of our books are done. After a period of time using the Google Docs, we'll save it to our laptop just as a backup. But that's how we've written Dictionary and um, our next book next year, Be a Bridge, and the other books that we have. Um, so um, we, we'll be on the phone. We'll have on our, our each of, on the speakerphone. You know, for several hours, we'll be working together in the same file, um, working things out. 
revising, changing, shifting, a lot of revising. And I think a lot of kids are surprised by how much revision. I'm sure the other poets can speak to the revisions that are necessary. When you're done, you've just begun. So that's, that's the old saying. Boys and girls, I'm going to go ahead and open up the chat. And the way it works is it will go only to me. Um, I found with large groups, that's most appropriate. And then I will put a, a couple questions out there to our um, speakers today. And as we open up the chat, so let's see. The chat is now open to me. Go ahead, questions and answers. Um, as we do that, if any, um, maybe Patty or Liz, if you'd like to share a little bit of advice for our writers and our poets out there, those 260 plus kiddos who are listening today, um, a little bit of advice as we get some questions. Oh, they're coming in fast. They're oh, okay. Fast. Well, okay. all right, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of advice. Am I muted or am I on? Am I on? Okay. You're, you're good. Okay. Um, uh, the biggest thing I would say is write what you love because you're going to spend a whole lot of time with it. And so if you can find subjects that you just really love and that speak to your heart and bring you joy, like Michelle said, poetry should bring us joy. And the process of getting it out into the world should be a joyful one. So write what you love um, and make a poem out of it. That's my best piece of advice. I love that. Oh, there's some really good questions in here. Did you ever doubt your ability to become a poet? Wow. Anyone want to answer to that? That's a good one. <laughs> Charles is shaking his head. Tell us more. Oh, uh, yeah, you sure. Have you always been a poet, Charles? Did you, you know, go to school and then you just became a poet and you've been a poet for your life? Oh, uh, students, I got into poetry at 29 years old. It wasn't taught to me in school. I think teachers were intimidated by it, so I didn't know anything about it. I'm a professional actor. I worked for a company called Poetry Alive, where they hired actors to perform poems as theater, call and response poems, audience participation, from pre-K to college. In three years, I had to learn about 225 poems I had to perform by heart. Everything from Mother Goose to Maya Angelou to Edgar Allan Poe to um, you know, performing Paul Revere's Ride. And that's how I got into poetry. And so 225 poems over nine, 18, 27 months in 37 states. That's the only reason why I'm talking to you today. Wow. I think one of the reasons, if I want, if I may speak for, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know uh, myself, I'm so passionate about speaking to you and author visits because I don't want the same thing to happen to you. It's such a cool art form mm -hmm. and it's short. Some poems are short. And I had a hard time when I was your age with read. I could read well, but thick books were a problem. But what I love about poetry is you could read a poem, a page, there's a lot of white space, very few black lines, so it's not as intimidating your eyes. Mm. So you can knock out a book in a relatively short period of time. And anytime you finish a book, that's a major accomplishment, it's a celebration. Mm -hmm. And I wish that had happened when I was your age, which is why I'm so passionate about poetry and spreading it to you today. So author visits, they're super important because if I hadn't taken that acting job, I wouldn't be here talking to you. So, yeah. I had 
several people ask how many books have you and Irene written together? And maybe you can sum up the total of those coming out as well. <laughs> We've written far more books together than have been accepted for publication. <laughs> We've had lots of rejections along the way. But um, as Charles mentioned before, we have five books that are contracted and um, two that are already released and three that are coming to you over the next several years. So, and we hope to keep going. Charles and I are just full of energy and ideas and um, hope to carry this uh, teamwork together for a long, long time. Fantastic. We have a few friends who are nine. They want you to know that there, there's some nine-year-olds out in the audience. <laughs> there are some nine-year-olds out there. Um, and let's see, someone would like to know, would anyone in this group like to share one of their favorite poets? Um, so, you know, a poem that you remembered maybe from your childhood, um, and you don't have to obviously recite it, but maybe the title and the poet, the author. Patty, go for it. Robert Frost um, is one of my favorites, and my F a very favorite poem of his is called Birches. And then another one of my favorite poets is James Whitcomb Riley. Um, he's not a very well-known, well, he's from a long time ago, but he's one of my favorites too. So those are two of my favorites. Thank you. Oh, we have a birthday in here. Someone's sharing that they like Shakespeare. That's, that is fantastic for a young student. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So let's see. Um, someone wants to know, and maybe, maybe I will answer to this. Can you write a book in Google Doc? I think you can. You can write a story in a Google document and you can print it out. And so then you can illustrate that. Uh, someone else asked if there are any illustrators in our group. Now I know that I am not an illustrator. Does anyone else know everyone? No? Yeah. Ma magical people. And, and that, magical people. And that is a beautiful response to it. Um, I want everyone to know listening that um, there are unique talents to all of us. You don't have to be good at everything. You can find things that you love and focus on those things. I, um, I am not good at illustrating and I don't love it. So that's not something that I've ever done. Um, and it sounds like our poets in here have really focused on poetry as their art form. So without further ado, um, is, are there any last words from our poets here? I wanna thank you for your time. I'm so thankful that you were here um, to share your process, your inspiration, um, some tips with our, our friends here in this group for National Poetry Month. But are there any last words that you'd like to share as we begin ready to sign off? I would just like to say to the teachers out there, Poetry picture books are so powerful and there are so many amazing poetry picture books beyond obviously the poets here on this panel, but beyond that, there are so many wonderful poetry picture books, more coming out each year. So I just want to give a plug to check them out, not just for Poetry Month, but almost anything, any theme that you're working on in school, social, emotional learning, they're so powerful and they're nice and short. You can do them as brain breaks in between subjects. You can do a Poetry Friday challenge. There's so many possibilities. So please, please, please check out Poetry Picture Books. And I think right now libraries are making books so accessible to everyone. And I know um, these are poetry books that I've gotten for my own children. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know some of them here are from some of you who are in the group and some of them are not. But all I did was I went onto the website 
um, of our local library and I typed in poetry and I got books that look good for my children and I picked it up right outside of the door of our library. So um, the libraries are doing really, really good work on making um, books and poetry accessible to all of us. Um, and friends, what we'll do is we will send out a, an email to all of you who have signed up and I'll make sure that we link to all of our poets websites so you can find more resources over at their websites and you can learn more about their awesome books. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your time with all of these classrooms and students and um, happy National Poetry Month, everyone. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.